0: To another episode of Monsters and Murder, I'm Sam,
1: and I'm Shane,
0: and we're gonna talk about some most likely murder tonight.
1: Yes, Sam has a really big story, which I'm I'm excited to hear to learn something new, but not like excited like oh boy, yeah. But uh, as we'll I think this episode will probably just be Sam's story, and then the following episode will be mine. <laughs> yes, um,
0: so. The for this case, I watched several programs. I watched <laughs> a twenty twenty special um called The Devil's Triangle. Mm-hmm. I watched an ID special called Disappeared in the Darkness, and there was a Dateline episode called The Landing. And then I also got some of the information from um, the Horry County News online.
1: Ooh, Horry County. I know that county.
0: Yes. So, I don't know. I don't think you'll know this case. Okay. But I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Heather Elvis. Do you know that?
1: The name is not ringing a bell. Okay. Only the county did, but that's because I've actually been there several yeah. times in my life.
0: So, I first heard about this case about two years ago, actually, when I was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And I've literally thought about her at least once a week since I've heard this case. Okay. It is... It's, it's a solved, unsolved case.
1: Okay. So you'll, you'll understand
0: more when I tell you about it. Alright. So, like always, I want to tell you about Heather.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Heather was born on June 30th, 1993 to her parents, Debbie and Tell... <laughs> Debbie. Debbie and Terry Elvis mm-hmm. in Carolina Forest, South Carolina. So it's like rock. In Myrtle Beach, basically. Okay. And she was the middle of three children. She had an older brother and a younger sister. And she and her younger sister, Morgan, were extremely close. They were about four years apart. Mm-hmm. And they look so much alike. Even now, they could probably pass for twins. They look almost identical. Wow. She grew up in a close, tight-knit, middle-class family. Her dad owned a printing business. Um... And Heather was like a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. She was funny and outgoing and ambitious. And her sister described her as being big into any room that she went into. Uh-huh. She just had a very like outgoing personality, loud. And she did do a bit of everything. She liked to ride four-wheelers and play paintball. And um, she was extremely artistic. She loved to draw and doodle. Her parents said she was always leaving some kind of drawing or doodle all over the house. And actually Mm -hmm. at the computer that her dad still uses on the monitor, she had left a post-it, which he still has there. And it says, Heather is amazing with a little heart. So he sees it every time he sits down at his computer. Heather had a serious side too, which kind of leans into that artistic side, you know. Um, But she... Had gone on mission trips to Costa Rica before and she helped repair a roof and she taught children to read while she was there. Um, and she really wanted to see the beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. And part of that, um, she was going to be a cosmetologist to make people beautiful. <laughs> um, she had actually earned her cosmetology license before she graduated high school.
1: That's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. You should see photos of her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, she is stunning, she is beautiful. Um, Her sister, Morgan, said that Heather wanted to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, designing what she wore in front of the camera and doing makeup for everybody. (laughs) Um, She was described as not knowing or not understanding the concept of boundaries when it came to chasing her dreams. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, she was in high school and as she got older, she started to rebel a little bit. She didn't want to follow the rules of her parents' house. So after she graduated, she moved out.
1: Mm hmm. Um,
2: this
0: she, is very
1: typical teen behavior.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's. Her <laughs> sister said, like, anything you could do to repe- rebel against your parents, that's what she was doing. And, like, mm-hmm. that's honestly true. Even, yeah. like, on every any realm of that, like, when you're a teenager, you're going to rebel against your parents. Exactly. It doesn't matter, and it could be something small, or it could be something big. Mm -hmm. So, by December of 2013, Heather was 20 years old. Uh, She had been working since she was 17, and at the time, she was living with her best friend, Brianna. Um, I'm going to call Brianna Bree from here on out. And they both worked at a restaurant called The Tilted Kilt. Okay. The Tilted Kilt is like a Scottish version of
1: hooters
0: oh <laughs> so the girls wear like um like a bra and like a little shrug tied in front and then a kilt and that's the uniform hmm. but because heather wasn't yet 21 she was just working as a hostess
3: uh-huh
0: um and her manager jessica who will also be a key player in this story said that the guests loved her and heather had the personality to be a hostess and if she had been 21 and could have been a bartender or a server, she would have made a shit ton of money.
2: Mm-hmm. She was
0: cute, she was bubbly, she was funny and Jessica said that by the time she had the guest from the front door to their table they felt comfortable, they were laughing, and she did the same thing when they were
1: leaving. That's awesome. So far it seems a little classier than Hooters. Maybe, maybe not, I don't I mean, know. <laughs> I
0: I don't think like I'm not going to say it's classy or not, like it doesn't
1: mm-hmm.
0: for me, like Go in, you're, you're going to get, like, not outstanding food.
1: True. But,
0: you know, like, go in for a burger and a beer, and
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: really what you're going there for. I mean, well. Yeah, well. <laughs> I could never work there.
1: No, I could not
0: either. Well, I'm just saying because I don't have boobs. Like, if I had <laughs> boobs, I would totally work there. And but I don't have boobs, so i
1: yeah. Wouldn't yeah. I get married? If I her? If as a girl, I probably would not either. And whatever, if there's a male equivalent, I'm sure I'm not cut out for that place either.
0: No, no, okay. If I was a dude and I had a big old schlong, I would be like applying for is Chip and Dale a Chippendale still thing? I don't know. Yes. I would be waving that thing around. If I had big boobs, I would show them, but I don't have big boobs. So, I'm not going to, you know, I mean, if people want to see my tiny boobies, I'll show them to you. Um. Anyway, so on December 17th, 2013, so this really is not all that long ago, mm-hmm. Heather had interviewed for a cosmetologist position at a local salon, and she actually got hired the same day, but she wasn't supposed to start working until the following week, which was the week of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then that night, she actually went on a first date with a guy named Steven. And it's like around Christmas break, so her roommate's out of town. And Heather, at this time, had just started dating again after a really bad breakup in the beginning of November, and she was really upset about it. Mm -hmm. And so she was just trying to get back out there. And I started to say rebuild, but she was just had just turned twenty, so she was like not she was not rebuilding. She was building her loft. Yeah, and she was trying to start it. So, she and Steven had actually gone to high school together, but I think he was like a few years older than her, Mm -hmm. so they didn't really know each other, but they, he had sent her a message on Instagram or commented on one of her photos, and they started talking and decided to go out. So, they went out to eat at a Mexican restaurant, and then afterwards, they went to an empty mall parking lot where he taught her how to drive his stick shift truck. Oh, And I was like, he had to really trust her, because... You can kill the engine, or I, this is mm-hmm. how little I know about cars. I don't know what you kill, but you can kill something if you don't know how to drive a stick shift.
1: You you can mess up the whole car. Like I yeah. couldn't tell you exactly. Oh what yeah, because you used to
0: have one. You I did. know,
1: I until twenty eighteen was it? I believe that's when I got my car. I do believe so. So until yeah, twenty eighteen, so I drove only stick shift.
0: Yeah, I I've never driven a stick shift. I know that I would kill it before we even got <laughs> out of the driveway. But... But he, you've got to
1: learn, so...
0: Well, you don't have to. Well, no, no, no.
1: I'm saying, like, if if, if you, you don't want wanna to ruin yeah. it, like, if you're trying to teach yeah. someone it's going to happen, you have yeah. to learn, and that's the only way to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, I, like, I was, when he said that, or when I found out that she got to drive his truck, I was like, wow, like, he must have really locked her, because that doesn't usually happen. Like, you don't give your, you know, one of your favorite possessions to somebody and be like, here you go, if mm-hmm. you don't break it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he let her, he taught her how to drive, actually. he hmm she sent a pic- a picture text message to her dad about ten o'clock that night, and um, it was a picture of her driving the stick shift. uh-huh. And she said something like, "Proud of me, I can drive stick shift." And her dad in an interview was like, "Yeah, of course I was proud of her because apparently he had tried to teach her and it didn't go
3: well-hmm
0: and um, he just he was like, "Great, it's ten o'clock, I'm going to go to bed. I'll talk to you talk to you in the morning."
3: Uh-huh.
0: So the following morning on December 18th. Around four a.m. um Okay, now I've heard it pronounced Hori and Ori County. Like in everything that I watched, they pronounced it Hori and then Ori, and I was like, I don't know which one it is.
1: I am fairly certain that it is Ori, like the H is silent. Silent.
0: That's what I thought, and then I heard people say in Hori County,
1: and I was like, well, and the locals prefer prefer Ori, from okay. my understanding. <laughs> well.
0: So, a police officer was doing one of his final rounds of patrol when he turned onto Peachtree Road, and this road led him into the Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge, Mm -hmm. and one of the roads was to a landing um, called Peachtree Landing, Okay. and on each side there's like parking lots and then the ramp that leads off into the water. And he noticed that there was a 2001 Green Dodge Intrepid, like kind of parked, parked awkwardly in the landing Mm -hmm. it was around Christmas break it's a tourist destination like Myrtle Beach there's people there generally all year round I mean it's not as busy as in the summer yeah but it's Myrtle Beach like Mm -hmm. it's a you go there to party on vacation (laughs) yes um so he pulled up to the car he ran the plates but I mean just to see if it had been stolen or and it hadn't so he got out to look around And he didn't see anybody, there weren't any broken windows, the tires weren't flat, and there wasn't anybody in the car. So, Mm -hmm. to him, everything looked normal aside from the way the car was actually parked. Because it was parked at an angle, it wasn't in a spot, it was sideways. But, again, he thought maybe someone had just left their car parked there for the night because they got drunk or whatever. They may have actually had car trouble and he couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. So, he's like, that's not a really strange occurrence. So he left without filing a report, assuming that the owner would be back later in the day to pick it up. Um, But then again on the evening of December 19th, the police department received another call reporting a suspicious vehicle parked at the landing. So when Officer Canterbury arrived on the scene, he found the same 2001 Green Dodge Intrepid parked at the landing. And he didn't know that he had been parked there for Mm -hmm. a while, aside from, like, the witnesses or the the call coming in, because Uh the other officer didn't file a report, which wasn't a big deal. Um, So he again ran the plates, and this time, the car, he saw that it was registered to Terry and Debbie Elvis, and he actually knew Terry and Debbie, so he just drove over to their house. Mm -hmm. And he knocked at the door, Debbie answered, and he was like, hey, are you missing a car? And... She and Terry look outside and they're like, no, like, everything is still here. We're not missing (laughs) anything. But then he described what was found. And they were like, oh, that's our daughter Heather's car.
1: Mm, And here it is, which I already knew it started when you talked about the car.
0: So um, Terry and Officer Canterbury actually went back to the landing. So Terry could take a look and see if anything looked suspicious with the car.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And the car looked the way Heather always kept it. Full of crap, which was like <laughs> my car when I yes. was 20 years old. It had clothes and makeup and her artwork. Basically, anything you could need mm-hmm. was in her car receipts, everything. Um, but Heather wasn't there. Her purse wasn't there. She wasn't there. Her cell phone wasn't there. They did find like some old identification. Well, one report said it was old identification, another report said it was a driver's license.
1: Which, um, if it's older, maybe it was an older driver's license. I don't
0: know. But Terry did begin to worry. He called her cell phone and it went straight to voicemail, Mm -hmm. which was extremely out of character for Heather. Her phone was essentially an extension of her body, and her mom said that if her phone got down to like 30% life, she would freak out. Mm -hmm. She never let her phone battery die. So the fact that it was going straight to voicemail really caused panic. When Debbie called, straight to voicemail. And then they were like, you know, we haven't heard from her for since the 17th which that's not odd i remember being that age when i was in college i wouldn't speak to anybody in my family for days on end and then I'd get this text message from my mom asking me if I was alive. Which, if I wasn't, I couldn't have responded anyway. Yes. But that was her way of checking in without, you know, blowing my phone up.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's not unusual for anyone, young adults or even older adults, to no. not speak to their parents at least for a couple of days and maybe even a couple of weeks depending on the relationship.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, they hadn't been worried that they hadn't heard from her in, you know, a day and a half. But when they were trying to call her and she wasn't answering and her phone was going to voicemail, that was suspicious. Mm-hmm. So, the officer told Terry, you know, do you have a neck, or can we check the trunk? And Terry was like, okay. And and Terry wanted to be the one to, like, unlock the truck and look at it. And the officer was like, no, you can't open it just in case they find something bad. Mm. Um, But Terry wanted to be the one to, like, unlock it. Yeah. So, they unlock the truck, and when they lift the lid, it's just more junk. Mm -hmm. Terry said it was so full of junk that you couldn't even fit a cheeseburger in there. So, I mean, and I get that too. I used to do that all the time. I Mm -hmm. keep my car mostly clean now. But when I was younger, I could have lived in my car for weeks on end and been perfectly fine. I had anything I needed (laughs) in there. It didn't matter.
1: Yes. You keep your car much leaner than I do now. Like, mine isn't, like, dirty, but especially if I'm in a show, sometimes props end up in my car or certain pieces of costumes end up in my car.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to, like, dust. So, and I, I could loosen up. But when I was younger, <laughs> I, my, I actually had the nickname when I was a teenager living at home. My mom lovingly referred to me as Pigpen because you cannot get into my room.
4: Oh!
0: It was bad.
4: hmm Um,
0: so... That evening, Terry immediately filed a missing persons report because when they were calling around, nobody else had heard from Heather.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: her roommate Brianna was out of town, so police just Terry and Debbie gave them permission, like, "Go ahead, you can search her apartment." They go into her apartment to see if they could see like any sign of a struggle or anything like that to to let them know where she may have been. The apartment was messy, but it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Uh-huh. It looked like a twi- typical twenty year old apartment. Yeah. They did find, like, a suitcase, but that was probably because she was packing to go home for Christmas. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And, again, she didn't really live that far from her parents, but, you know, like, we've had this discussion before. When we go out of town, it looks like we're moving out. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: When police discovered that Heather had gone on a date the night of her disappearance, they contacted Stephen. And Stephen told police that they had gone to dinner... And then they he went to the empty mall parking lot where he taught Heather to drive his truck. And then they'd gone back to the house that he shared with his mom where mm-hmm. they watched a movie. And then when the movie was over, he took Heather home, went in and took a quick tour. And then they went out into the parking lot, kissed, and then he left. Mm-hmm. So police spoke with his mother and she corroborated a story about Heather coming to their house. They watched a movie he left to take her home, came back shortly after, thereafter, and did not leave again.
3: Uh-huh.
0: So, police pretty quickly rolled Stephen out as a suspect. He informed police that he and Heather were so actually supposed to meet the next day, when he, like, the day, that, the, the, okay, the 18th. <laughs> they were supposed to yes. meet on the 18th, when he got off work. Mm-hmm. But when he reached out to her, he never got a response. So, he figured that she was just busy... And that she'd get back up with him when she had time. So the next day, on the 19th, police reached out to Jessica, Heather's manager at the Tilted Gilt. Uh-huh. Um, and Jessica told them, like, Heather's not supposed to work until the next day, but if you want to know where she is, you should probably reach out to Sidney Moore because he would know where Heather was if anybody knew where she was. Sydney Moore was Heather's ex-boyfriend and things had ended badly between the two of them in November. Mhm. Sydney and Heather had met in April of 2013 when they were both working at the Tilted Kilt. Heather was the hostess and Sydney was the night maintenance man. Mhm. Until so they met one evening when the staff of the Tilted Kilt like Sydney was not technically staff. He just came in at night. And he did this for a bunch of different restaurants Uh along that strip. So the staff at the Tilted Kilt had been treated to a local Pelicans baseball game. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they all went back to the restaurant to hang out. And I don't know if you've ever worked at a restaurant, but that was like pretty much all I did until I graduated college. (laughs) And when you made friends with people at the restaurant, you all tended to gravitate back towards the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Wherever you were. And you just hung out there. And that's what we did. You guys, you really become close. Yeah. Typically. Because usually, your waitstaff staff is just a bunch of young college students. Mm Mm-hmm. So, they all went back to the Tilted Kilt that night. And Sydney was there. So, everybody was out on the patio... And Jessica was indoors. Heather came in and told her that she thought Sydney was cute and that she had a crush on him. Oh. Well, Jessica thought this was a little bit odd. Uh, you know, Heather's friends like admitted like Sydney was funny. He had a really good attitude. He was kind of attractive. Mm-hmm. But Sydney was also 37 years old.
1: Ooh, and she's 21 at this she point?
0: twenty one. She was nineteen when oh. they met, Her birthday was in June. They met in April, so she mm. was nineteen. If you were almost double the age of the person that you were interested in dating, you should probably like take a step back and be like, "Eh, this is not a good idea."
1: Yeah, at least at least when it's like that young, like newly adult. Age.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to an episode of True Crime and Cocktails, and they mentioned this in. Um, an ep- uh, they had mentioned Dane Cook mm-hmm. because Dane Cook is engaged to a much, much younger yes, woman yes. and they definitely got together when she was not of legal age.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, but one of the hosts, Christy, was saying if your, if your prospective partner, if the person you're interested in, their age ends in teen, don't. Yeah. Don't. Just Completely walk away. Completely agree. Yep. No, leave it alone. hmm And aside from that, Sydney was also married and he had three children.
2: Ooh. Now
0: it's not clear if Heather knew in the beginning mm-hmm. that Sydney was married, but she definitely found out. If you're not in the situation, you don't know exactly you don't know you don't know if he- if she didn't know in the beginning mm-hmm. and then a few weeks in she found out there's already feelings involved and at 19, even if you know you should walk away. You don't have enough life experience to truly understand to get out of that situation.
1: You're absolutely right because I think I've said it before on here when we've talked about people in that age range. Like I still feel, and I did not feel this way when I was that age, but now I'm a little older. Now I have the opinion of, I'm like, you're still essentially a kid.
0: Yeah, 1,000%. When I think about the things that I was doing at 19 and mm-hmm. 20... I look back and I've said this before, how the fuck are you still alive? <laughs> you were doing some really stupid shit mm-hmm. and putting yourself in dangerous situations that at that time I was like, I'm an adult, I can handle it when in reality, at nineteen or twenty, you legally are an adult, yes. but you have zero life
1: experience
0: mm-hmm. other than what you've had growing up. Your life experience
1: home. is school up to that point.
0: Yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't have life experience. She she did eventually find out that Mm -hmm. Sydney was married. Um, Brianna said, or Bree, sorry. Bree said that Heather was convinced that Sydney was going to leave his life and be with her. And again, this makes me think, like, he probably had mentioned to her that that was going to happen.
1: Yes. Because
0: if it was just a fling, which it was not for Heather. Mm Mm-hmm. That just doesn't pop up. Like, if you're just sleeping with somebody, you're not going to be like, we're going to be together forever. You're Mm -hmm. going to realize, even at that age, because I was that age, you know. Yes. And, again, he was 37. She was 19 when they got together. Mm -hmm. That's a big age difference. It is. And when you're 19, you are very easily manipulated
2: Mm -hmm. by
0: someone that you think... Cares about you. Yes, has it together. Wants to be with you. Because even if you are completely one hundred percent confident in yourself, at nineteen, at twenty, you want somebody to love
4: you. Mm-hmm.
0: The relationship between Sydney and Heather was not a secret. It was not a secret. Everybody there knew it. It was actually quite common knowledge that Sydney and Heather were together. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney would start coming in on his days off, like in the morning. To bring Heather coffee and bagels. And Sydney did not work during the day and not in the morning. (laughs) Um, And so, as I've mentioned, Heather's phone was basically an extension of her body. Yes. So much so that her manager, Jessica, had been like, you need to leave your phone in my office because I see you looking at it while you're at the hostess stand.
1: (laughs) Sadly, very typical work issue.
0: Oh, me too. I... We were not allowed to have our phones when I was waitressing, Mm -hmm. but you bet your sweet ass that we all had our phones in our aprons, and when we were were back behind the stand, we were checking our messages Mm -hmm. and answering phone calls in the bathroom. Yes. So there was an instance when Heather's phone was charging in Jessica's office, and Heather's phone kept like going off, buzzing, 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 and it was back to back to back. So, finally, Jessica was like, maybe I should take a look at it because maybe there's an emergency. hmm And Heather needs to go home. hmm But when she picked it up, she realized it was not an emergency. It was actually messages from Sydney. So, she does a little snoopy snooping. Uh-huh. And it was clearly evident that Sydney and Heather were involved in a sexual relationship. So... Jessica, you know, she said that she, you know, wasn't really happy about that. She had a talk with Heather about it. Um, but she also said that despite their age difference and the fact that Sydney was married, Heather and Sydney appeared to have a genuine connection and really appeared to be in love. And interviews with Heather's friends, they all said, like, she truly loved him. Mm-hmm. But when you have an older person, who is most likely telling you that they love you, mm-hmm. you believe that they do. Yeah. Um, Heather's friends and her co-workers were really not happy about her relationship with Sydney. Like, everybody was like, I don't care if you have a connection. It's wrong. End it. And they were not happy. Mm-hmm. So, at one point, two of her co-workers actually called into the Tilted Kilt and pretended to be Tammy, which is Sydney's wife. Okay. And they were like, "We know you're sleeping with my husband, and leave him alone," basically. And that really scared Heather. Mm-hmm. Like it. And after that point, like Sydney stopped coming into the tilt of kilt. So were um, they just
1: doing this because, like you said, they were unhappy? Were they just unhappy because they were he not was married? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think if that had not been the case, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Which again, they don't know the situation. They probably should have just stayed out of it. Mm-hmm. Out of it. But they didn't. Um but things ended for real when Sydney's wife Tammy found out about Heather. Oh. In early November, Heather had started receiving threatening text messages from a number that she did not recognize. However, it quickly became apparent that it was Sydney's wife. Mhm. When she started getting text messages like um are you ready to meet the
1: misses
0: and uh, tell me who you are. This will end much better for you if, if I know who you are.
1: That makes no sense, but okay.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. Like, if if, if your spouse mm-hmm. or your partner is cheating on you, you don't know who's on the other end of that number. You just know that whoever it is is someone that you're... Person. Okay, I,
1: yeah. th- I see what you're saying now.
0: Yeah, so Heather broke it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Bree said it was really hard. Like, Heather really cared about him. She was yeah. devastated. But she broke it off. Uh, but Tammy had been continually, continuously harassing Heather. Mm-hmm. She kept sending her threatening text messages, calling her over and over. Um, Heather actually had Tammy's number saved in her phone as crazy bitch.
2: Huh.
0: Um, at one point, Tammy had called Heather from Sydney's phone to tell her to stay away from Sydney and then Sydney got on the phone to, he- to tell Heather that she didn't mean anything to him and that essentially she had just been a piece of ass.
1: Mm. Um, and she did this even after they broke up. Oh they were did doing
0: this after they were over. Okay, yes and like, did she know they were over? Uh, Tammy? Yeah. yeah I mean if that's so why, that's when it
1: needs to like stop is done.
0: That, yeah, exactly. The like, problem if,
1: is not her, it's him.
0: Exactly. If mm-hmm. you find out that your partner is cheating on you. And I've thought about this a lot while researching this case. Mm Because at this point, Tammy and Sydney had been married about 15 years. They had three kids. If I found out that my partner was cheating on me, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like my immediate response was like, that's it. We're done. Yes. But then you take into the fact that they have three kids together
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: they've been married... For 15 years.
1: And they built a life together. Some sort of life.
0: Yes. And when I really thought about this, like, people cheat for a plethora of reasons. hmm Tammy and Sydney at this point, they are still together. So, if you are still together, that means that you probably want to work on your marriage. Mm-hmm. Because Sydney had told Heather, like, I, I love my wife. I want to be with my wife. So, that should have been the end of it. Like you said... Heather should have been that third party cut off. That's not a part of our relationship anymore. We're not talking to her anymore. Yes. That's what should have happened. Yes. That's not what happened. And again, like I, if Tammy wants to be pissed at Heather, Tammy has every right to be pissed at Heather. Yes, she does. But that should end there. Hmm. You get mad at her. That's it. Leave it alone. And now you and Sydney, that's your it. conversation. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to fast forward back to the days following Heather's disappearance. Police actually spoke with Sidney on the 19th. And he tells them that he doesn't have a relationship with Heather. There had been a relationship with Heather. But he broke he he broke it oh. off in early November because he decided he loved his wife and he wanted to work on his marriage. And he told he, um, officers that he hadn't spoken to Heather for a while, but after speaking with officers for a few more weeks, few more minutes, he changed his story and said that he had spoken with Heather recently, but it was to tell her to leave him alone. I bet. And police thought that was just, like, uh, odd.
1: Yes. Because
0: if they've broken up in November, why was he contacting her in mid-December to mm-hmm. say, leave me alone? Mm-hmm. And then when police interviewed Brianna, they were like, we need to speak to Sydney again. Because she told officers that on the night of December 17th, she got a call from Heather in the early out morning hours between, like, 1.30, 1.45, and Heather was crying hysterically. And Brianna, she's at, like, Bree's asking her, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Heather tells her that Sydney had just called her, and he told her that he's sorry, and he missed her, and that he'd left his wife, and he wanted to see her.
4: Mm. So, Bree no. immediately was
0: like, why did you answer? hmm I thought we were past this. Yeah. And Heather was like, I, I didn't know it was him. He called from a local number. Mm-hmm. Because Heather at this point had Tammy and Sydney's numbers blocked.
4: hmm Good. So he
0: called from a different number. And that's why she answered. And so Brie asked Heather if she was going to meet Sydney. And Heather said that she didn't know. So they decided, like, Heather's not going to make any rash decisions. She's going to sleep on it, think about it. And, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an effort to calm Heather down and just to get her mind on more, like, positive things in the future, uh, Bree asked Heather about her date. And Heather did start to calm down. Like, Heather kind of got, like, perked up and um, told Bree that she had learned how to drive a stick shift. And Brie was like, well, good, now I can let you drive my car. Because <laughs> she wasn't about to let her drive it before she learned, so she didn't know it. No. Um, And then Heather told her, like, she had a really good time and that they were going to see each other the next afternoon. Mm -hmm. And she was excited about it.
1: As she should have been.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, And she had mentioned to Bree in that phone call before Bree got her talking about her date. Um, She was like, why did Sydney call me? Like, the first night that I go out to have a date, he picks to not to
1: Mm -hmm. call me. Probably not a coincidence.
0: So, um, before they entered the call, they said, I love you because they always enter their Mm -hmm. call saying, I love you and I'll see you tomorrow or we'll talk about it tomorrow. So at this point, like if police still had any questions about Stephen's involvement, the interview with Bree was like, okay, Heather was at home after Stephen left. Everything went good. It was fine. Yeah. Um... In the day or two after Heather had gone missing, her parents actually realized, like, hey, we can get access to her phone records Mm because she's still on our plan. And when they got her phone records, they saw that the last call she made had been to Sydney. So Terry was like, I'm going to call Sydney. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, so Terry and Debbie did not know the full details of heather's relationship with sydney i don't even know if they knew about sydney uh huh morgan said the only thing morgan knew was that heather liked a boy and his name was sydney and heather really like was smitten with him
3: mhm okay <clears throat>
0: so terry calls sydney's number and when sydney picks up terry was like hi i'm terry elvis i know you don't know me but i'm heather's dad sydney just starts cussing at him he's like i don't know heather Basically tells them, do not call me back. Wow. So that, I mean, that was like, you know, red flag, but again. Oh, major red
3: flag.
2: Yeah.
0: So on December 20th, police went to Sydney and Tammy's house to talk Mm -hmm. to them again. Sydney's not home, but Tammy is. Police do not have a search warrant, but Tammy opened the door and they asked if they could come in and look around. And Sydney, I mean, Tammy said, yeah, sure. No problem. Come in and look around. But Tammy was dictating where they could look, what they could touch, where they could, which, again, that's in her rights. Yes. They did not have a search warrant. Mm-hmm. She did not have to let them in, but she did. So if she wants to tell them where to look legally, Tammy has the right to do that. Yes. Um, so they, were, they had came in and they were asked if they could take pictures. And she's like, no problem, take pictures. They asked if they could search the truck, but Tammy said they couldn't. Because she didn't have a key to get in. And so, I don't know what other vehicles they had. But at the time, they had just bought a black Ford Mm F-150. Like, a month before. And they had taken this truck to... Tammy and Sydney had said that in an effort to repair their relationship, they had gone on like a three-week road trip to California. And had taken this truck. So, he had traded in his old truck for a new one.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but the police were not able to search that one. Uh, now, during this search, police are looking around and one of the officers notices, like, out the corner of his eye, there is a surveillance camera. But he doesn't want Tammy to know
2: Did he that he it?
0: sees it mm-hmm. because he knows that whatever has happened in this house and like the last week is going to be on that surveillance camera Uh
3: uh-huh so
0: he didn't take a picture of it he did not bring attention to it he just kept looking so when police go outside taking photos they notice cement mix some kind of cleaner and a shotgun shell casing and Tammy explained this away by saying, like, we're redoing our driveway, so we ha- need cement. Mm-hmm. The cleaner was for their RV, because they did travel a lot with their kids. They actually homeschooled their kids because they traveled so much. Okay. And then the shotgun casing was probably because Sydney was a duck hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, even though that's suspicious, that's not enough to, like... Yeah. ...do anything. Um, But based on Brianna's interview with police... I keep calling her Brianna... Bree, that's what they call her in all the um, episodes, <laughs> Bree, went, based on her interview with the police, they did call Sydney in for a more formal interview.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they did this based on Bree's interview and after they received full records of Heather's phone calls. And in those, they were able to see incoming and outgoing phone calls. Heather had received a call at 1.33 a.m. from a local number. Um, The call lasted a few minutes. And then they see that Heather had called that number back nine times.
1: Oh, my. Yeah.
0: And then they see the call to Bree at 144. And then between 317 and 321, Heather had made a flurry of back-to-back calls to Sydney Mm
2: -hmm.
0: before he picked up. That call lasted four minutes. After that call was over, starting at three thirty seven, Heather called Sydney four additional times. Okay. She called him at three thirty seven, three thirty eight, three thirty nine, three forty. He mm-hmm. never answered. And Heather's phone went dead at three forty two. Weird. Yes. So they tracked this local number mm-hmm. back to a payphone at a gas station. And thankfully this gas station had surveillance footage. Mhm. Granted it was grainy.
1: Oh, all surveillance for, for all of
0: them are yes, I know. footage we can talk.
1: Yeah. It's I don't know why it's a thing.
0: Yeah. Um it was grainy, but based on her phone records interviews with Bree, they wanted to speak to Sydney again. So mm-hmm. he came in for a formal interview. And when he came in they asked Sydney to replay the evening of the 17th for them. And Sydney said um he and Tammy had been out driving around that evening because they're trying to repair their marriage. They had sex in his truck in two different parking lots. They went to Walmart and then they went home. When police asked Sidney if he had been anywhere else that evening, he said no. Uh, he explained that he'd actually been handcuffed to the bed. Oh, and not unlike like some kinky sex game kind of thing, he was handcuffed to the bed because after Tammy found out about Heather and they had agreed to work on their marriage, part of that agreement, not therapy, uh, part of that agreement was that Sydney would let Tammy handcuff him to the bed every night for six months.
1: How does one sleep like that?
0: Well, you don't. Because that's not what ha Like, that that doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Like, you're not handcuffing your partner to the bed every night for six months. I mean, and if you are, it's for sex reasons and well, not... Yeah. Because um, they cheated on you. The,
1: the That's ridiculous. The logical, I don't know what to call it, but the logical, like, that, it makes no sense. Yeah.
0: Do you like how my brain reverts back to a teenage? It was for sex reasons.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, so police asked Sydney if he had used any other phones that night, and he said no. They said, did you use Tammy's? No. They asked if he used a payphone, and he said, they still have payphones?
1: Which I mean he says twenty thirteen, so it's like, Yeah, I guess there's still a few in the wild during yeah. that time.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then police let Sydney know they're like, Hey, you know, Heather received a phone call from a pay phone the night of her disappearance. And then they tell him, you know, and we have surveillance footage of the person that called her. Mm-hmm. And then they ask Sydney again if he'd called Heather from the payphone and he said, Maybe.
2: <sighs> You're so caught. then the
0: officer <laughs> said, Okay Let's start this over. Mm-hmm. So, Sydney admits that he did call Heather from the payphone, but it was only to tell her to leave him alone. And he only used the payphone because Tammy had his phone and he got to control when he could use it. He then said that uh, Tammy was in the truck with him, so she knew he was calling Heather. And then, when police questioned him about the calls Heather made to his cell phone, Sydney stated that he had initially ignored her calls when she was calling him mm-hmm. that night. But when he answered, she asked if he could come meet her. And he said, no, leave me alone. I'm happily married. And uh-huh. he said, Heather said, well, fuck it, and hung up. Or then he hung up. He said, and then he turned the volume down on his phone. So he didn't see her calling the additional four times. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Sydney had admitted to calling Heather, police really didn't have any other evidence so, they let him go.
1: So, he just randomly, randomly decides to call her when they weren't allegedly in his story. No contact before. Just to be like, leave me alone. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, which is all like accounts.
1: Exactly. Um, it doesn't make sense.
0: But, the, you know, this had been in the news. Mm-hmm. Horry County is not massive. No. So, stuff makes headlines. A few... A few days later, police actually got the formal search warrant, mm-hmm. which meant they could go in and basically just get what they needed. Um, and when they go back, like, they were so excited to get that surveillance footage, but when they go back, they found out that the surveillance camera had actually been changed out to a new system.
1: No, of course it had.
0: Yeah, so any footage that had been taken the night that Heather disappeared was gone. Mm-hmm. And during that search, police really didn't find or take anything that was of evidentiary value. A few weeks later, police get a call from a woman that lived in the area. And she said, Hey, I've been following this case on Facebook. And I actually have a surveillance camera outside my house. And where she lived was located directly between the road Sydney would take leaving his house. And going to Peachtree Landing. Uh-huh. So, she said, if he went to Peachtree Landing that night, it's all my surveillance. hmm So, she gave the footage over to police. Good for her. Yep. Uh, when police reviewed the footage, they were floored. Because, as mentioned before, Cindy drove that black F-450, okay? Mm-hmm. So, in the footage, a little after 3.30 on the morning of Heather's disappearance... A dark-colored truck is seen driving towards Peachtree Landing, and then is caught driving back in the direction of Sydney and Tammy's house. A few minutes later, mm-hmm. um, after this revelation, police were able to obtain a second formal search warrant. And during this search, police seize cell phones. Computers, that black F four fifty, several shotguns, and a handgun. Mm-hmm. And on uh, on February twenty first, an arrest warrant was issued for both Sydney and Tammy. They were being charged with kidnapping and murder. Uh, Sydney and Tammy were going to be tried separately, and Sydney would be tried first. And in their mugshots. Sydney looks like a Scott Peterson wannabe. Wow. And Tammy looks so fucking smug, it's almost like she's smiling.
1: Mm, oh, she's one of those people. Yeah.
0: Um, but, like, a few months before Sydney's trial started, it was announced that murder charges were being dropped. And so they were being charged with conspiracy to kidnap and kidnapping. Um, Jimmy Richardson, who was the chief prosecuting attorney for the state, said that they didn't feel comfortable enough that the state had enough evidence to prove murder, but he felt confident that they had enough evidence to prove kidnapping.
1: And at this point, Heather has not been found yet. No. Okay. They do
0: not have a body. Okay. Um, he said that the state was confident that Sydney and Tammy were responsible for Heather's death, mm-hmm. but knowing something and proving something are two completely different things.
1: Unfortunately, they're right.
0: Yeah, and it's really difficult with the amount of evidence they, that they had to actually prove Heather was murdered. And if you go in as a prosecuting attorney and charging someone with murder, you better have enough evidence to prove mm-hmm. murder. Because if that person gets acquitted, later on, evidence comes out that they actually did commit the murder. Yeah, that's it. Double jeopardy exists. You can't mm-hmm. charge them with murder. You may be able to charge them with like perjury because they lied.
1: But that's going but to be nowhere near the offense of murder.
0: Those are, yeah, those are tiny. Um, the, what is the, like, the amount of time he would spend in prison yeah. for perjury is minimal mm-hmm. in comparison exactly. to Exactly, the punishment
1: is not going to fit that crime, so Absolutely I get it. Absolutely
0: not, no. Going into the trial, Sidney was going to go, he was going to be tried first. Uh-huh. Nancy Lovesay was the lead prosecuting attorney, and Sidney had hired Kirk Truslow as his defense. And I have to say, Nancy Lovesay, I fucking love her. <laughs> she is... Oh, I want to give her a high five, tell her how much I admire her. I mm-hmm. love Nancy Lovesay.
1: Yeah, okay. So
0: good. Um, One of the first witnesses for the prosecution was Jessica, Heather's manager. Mm-hmm. Jessica had witnessed a lot of the relationship between Heather and Sydney. And when you work in that type setting, I was super close with one of my managers.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Like, we hung out after work. We were friends. You get close with people like that. You do. So, she knew about the relationship with Sydney. And she knew about the harassment she'd received from Tammy mm-hmm. after Tammy found out. So... She has described the relationship, the harassment, and then Nancy asked her about the possibility of Heather being pregnant. Oh. Yeah, if you should you should have seen Shane's eyes. They got really <laughs>
1: <laughs> Was not expecting that at yeah. all. Yeah.
0: Um, Jessica had been in charge of ordering the uniforms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the uniforms, like I said before, consisted of the kilt, a bra, and then like a little shrug top that you tie in front to make your boobies look good. Um <laughs> Jessica said that initially, when Heather had had gotten hired, she had been in an A cup and a medium skirt. However, in the few months before she went missing, she went from an A cup to a B cup and then to a C cup. And she also needed to size up to a large in her kilt. And I will say, as a lifelong member of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee, That has wished my tatas would magically get bitter, bigger overnight. That doesn't happen.
1: Okay, yeah. You're right to say, it. I know yeah. nothing about how unusual this odd. Like if it was waist size went up one. I'm like, okay, maybe someone, you know, post-breakup went on a sugar binge. Uh, yeah. That's no. what I do. But. Yeah, you're not
0: going from an A cup to a C cup <laughs> that quickly. No, not and, unless you're gaining a significant amount of weight. And Heather was not gaining an abnormal amount of weight. And when you are pregnant, your boobs start getting bigger pretty quick that's like one of the first signs Mm -hmm. of pregnancy so jessica had half jokingly asked but mostly serious heather do you think you could be pregnant and heather just looked at her with this stare of fear and confusion and didn't say anything and then heather asked her again like could you be pregnant and heather said yeah
3: and at mm. this
0: time, the only person Heather had been with was Sydney. Uh-huh. So if she was pregnant, Sydney was the father. On the stand, Jessica admitted that Heather had taken a pregnancy test at the Tilted Kilt in November, um, but the test came back reading error, which meant Heather probably had not peed enough on the stick or it was a faulty test. Um, but Heather had not taken another one after that
1: how could she have not wanted to at least know a store test that would have driven me crazy
0: when you are 20 and you are not ready to be pregnant it is very scary Mm -hmm. and not having the life experience that you would need to make a decision sometimes it's better to like not know until you are prepared to be able to know
1: that is that is true and
0: take taking Mm -hmm. into account if Sydney were over, Tammy and Sydney are harassing her, that's probably not something she wanted to think about at the time because she had all Very these true. other things going on. And again, Heather was young. She was young. She was still a
1: kid. Like we said, she's still essentially a kid herself.
0: Yes. She's probably terrified. She's heartbroken. Like, mm-hmm. Bree said she was devastated when she found out Sydney and Tammy were going on a three week trip to re- like rekindle their marriage. That was hard for Heather Mm -hmm. because Heather loved him and she thought Sydney loved her too. Mm -hmm. Um, The prosecution then called Grant Fredericks to the stand. And Grant Fredericks is a forensic video expert. He reviewed the surveillance footage of that truck. Um, On the surveillance footage, you cannot see a license plate. You just see that it is a big black truck. Mm Mm-hmm. So he conducted numerous tests with different vehicles to determine the headlight spray pattern. And he testified, in his expert opinion, that the truck seen on that surveillance was Sydney Moore's Ford F-150. Sydney's attorney was like, that's bullshit. Like, trucks don't have DNA.
4: Oh my God. You can't. No, that's of course not they were like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the next witness for the prosecution was Amelia Bethia. And she was a member of SLED, which is the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division. And she gave testimony regarding that trip Sydney had taken to Walmart. Because remember, he had told investigators when he was out with Tammy they had gone to Walmart. Mm-hmm. So they pulled the surveillance footage of Sydney in Walmart, and they had actually obtained a copy of his receipt. When Sydney checked out of Walmart at 1.21 a.m., he paid cash... And his receipt had shown that he had purchased a pregnancy test and a cigar-type cigarette.
1: Okay. Which I guess is probably just more for the pregnancy test and he threw something else in with it.
0: Based on Heather's phone records, Sydney had left Walmart after buying the pregnancy test and had driven directly to the gas station where he called her. Mm -hmm. He checked out of Walmart at 121, drove to the gas station, and called Heather at 133. It... Like, gave me chills when I heard that.
1: Yeah. It's, I do not like where this is going.
0: It is so scary because Nancy Live say in one of her interviews, she's like, based on what you see, based on the phone calls, mm-hmm. you can gather that he buys that pregnancy test and he's buying it for the person he's about to call.
1: Which is Heather.
0: Um, this testimony upset Sydney. Mm-hmm. And Sydney was not going to testify at all. Like, he was not going to. But he did speak with local media, despite the fact that the judge had placed everybody under a gag order and nobody was to say anything.
1: Oh, so he defied it.
0: Yeah. So Sydney had said, like, in his interview, he's crying. He's like, people are so cruel and they're talking about things they don't know oh my anything God. about and they are accusing us of things that we never did. And in this 2020 special, The Devil's Triangle, Nancy Say was clearly not happy about this. Mhm. She was like, "Sydney had no problem crying to the media to try and gain public gain, public, public sympathy, but he would not take the stand because if Sydney took the stand, he would be subject to Mm cross-examination. And Sydney did not want to go up against Nancy Lassay because she
1: would have (laughs) torn
2: his
0: ass apart. Kirk Truslow, in his closing arguments, um, hinted at Tammy being a suspect.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: He admitted that, yeah, it's really dark, and if that had been Sydney's truck, you can't see who's inside. And it's really dark at the landing, so Heather would not have known who was driving that truck until she got inside. And in one of the interviews I watched with him, he was like, basically saying, I don't know for a fact that Sydney knew that Tammy had done something,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but maybe Sydney found out later that Tammy had done something. And Kirk knew, based on that trial, like it was leaning very heavily, that that was definitely Sydney's truck driving mm-hmm. to the landing. Yes. So, he threw that out there as just a possible suspect.
1: Yeah, and he wants to throw suspicion off of his client.
0: Yeah. And he reminded them, like, if you have, if you cannot convict him beyond a reasonable doubt, do not convict. So, after the prosecution and defense had given their closing arguments, the jury went out to deliberate. Mm -hmm. And after nine hours, they came back and said they were deadlocked. We cannot reach a verdict. And a mistrial was declared. No, no. Which meant he would have to be retried. Okay. Um, and I do want to mention that during Sydney's trial, Morgan and Tammy bumped into each other, like, physically bumped into each other, like, at the entrance of the courthouse.
1: So she was not behind bars?
0: I don't believe she was behind bars at this time. Because I or maybe she was but like she still had to be in the court yeah, even but if she was figured
1: like she would have been escorted by officers yeah
0: i don't think i don't think at this time Tammy had been jailed okay um so when they bumped into each other morgan said that tammy audibly gasped because i will remind you morgan and heather looked so much alike they could be twins
1: oh Oh, wait, Morgan, and Morgan's not the boss, is so she? No,
0: Morgan is, is Heather's sister. sister.
1: Oh, oh.
0: And she said, like, that shook Tammy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and I was happy that it shook Tammy.
1: Yeah, I would be too.
0: Yeah. Um, before Sydney could be retried for kidnapping charges, he was actually charged with obstruction of justice because he lied to police about the phone calls between mm-hmm. he and Heather the night she disappeared um because he had initially said like no I didn't call her from the payphone which was a law mhm he was found guilty of obstruction of justice and was sentenced to 10 years in prison with credit given for time served which had been 1 year ugh and i do want to mention here that typically if you are charged with obstruction of justice you do not get the full max sentence mhm but i think it was kind of common knowledge sydney is responsible for Heather's disappearance. Uh-huh. And, legally, they could give him 10 years in prison, so they threw the book at him. hmm Good. Okay. So, up next, Tammy goes on trial to face conspiracy to kidnap and kidnapping charges. And, in opening statements, the assistant solicitor, Christopher Helms, which also, I love him, too. hmm He made sure to bring up the fact that the defense is going to keep repeating and reminding the jury that this trial is based on circumstantial evidence. And he agreed, like, yeah, it's on circumstantial evidence. But in some ways, circumstantial evidence is the best kind of evidence to have. Yeah. And essentially, like, every case, some of it is circumstantial. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, eyewitness testimony changes and memories fade. But the one thing that, that does not change, the circumstances. Uh-huh. And he reminded the jury the circumstances in this case. And the fact that that will always be Sydney Moore's truck on that surveillance footage, that's never going to change. The fact that Sydney Moore was the last person to speak to Heather before she disappeared, that's never going to change. The fact that Sydney went to Walmart to buy a pregnancy test, and then went and called Heather from a payphone. That's never going to change. And so then the prosecution began to call their witnesses, and all their witnesses were testifying. Heather was afraid of Tammy. Mm-hmm. Tammy was harassing Heather. She was calling her, texting her, sending her like threatening text messages.
2: Mm-hmm. More than messages.
0: one, yeah, more than one person stated that Heather had received images via text of Tammy and Sydney engaging in sexual acts. Ew. I know. Yeah. And like the thing is, is, like again, Tammy had every right to be pissed at uh, at, at Heather. Mhm. But when she found out that Heather was 20 fucking years old, that that should have ended it. You you can be mad at her. You yeah. can be mad at Heather, but you don't get to harass her. You turn your anger towards mm-hmm. Sydney.
1: Exactly, because he you is the problem. Yeah,
0: you don't know the circumstances of why Heather was in a relationship with him mm-hmm. because Heather's not here to give her side of the story. No, they you don't made sure of that. Yeah, you don't know what Sydney told her, and if you're saying Sydney and I are going to work on our marriage, then leave the person that you see as a problem out of the equation. Yes, you focus on your relationship with Sydney if you want to save your marriage. You mm-hmm. don't involve somebody else in it. And by continuously contacting the person that you felt your husband was having an affair with, you're just creating a bigger problem.
1: Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's... Ugh. It makes me so angry. Like,
0: Heather, I feel... Thinking about Heather, how, one, devastated Mm -hmm. she was. Getting that call from Sydney saying, I don't love you, you were just a piece of ass. Mm -hmm. That was painful. And then the fear... Of not just Tammy, but Sydney too, harassing her.
1: Yeah. It sounds like neither Sydney nor Tammy could let her go.
0: It, in one text message, because Heather would respond sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you can only be pushed to so much. Yeah,
0: in one text message, Heather responded, it sounds like you're a little obsessed with me.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they were.
0: Um, the prosecution painted a picture of Tammy as being domineering, mm-hmm. needing to be in charge, and she... Definitely was. Yeah. Um, in one instance the prosecution had called one of their oldest son's friends to the stand, um, to provide some insight into a tattoo that Sydney had on his stomach. On Sydney's lower stomach, like right below his abdomen, he had Tammy's name tattooed in big fucking letters.
1: Ew on his stomach. Yes. Yeah. Just ew.
0: Yeah. The eyewitness had said that he had been at Sydney and Tammy's house shortly after Sydney had gotten the tattoo. And he heard uh, Tammy say something like, that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't been messing with that girl. The defense said that Sidney had that tattoo way before he met Heather. But I highly, highly doubt Mm -hmm. that if he had had a tattoo of Tammy's name on his abdomen, Heather's friends would have known that he had Tammy's name tattooed on his body.
1: Yes. It's, that's, and that's not, like, the abdomen is not, where you want a tattoo like that. At least I would not think so. That play, that area of the body is going to change whether we all want it to or not.
0: Well, and the, the prosecution was saying, like, Tammy made him. That was basically, mm-hmm. like, Tammy's... Oh, yeah. ...stamp on him. Yeah,
1: yeah. No one's going to choose to do that.
0: No. Uh, the next witness that they called to the stand in Tammy's trial was Donald DiMarino. Marino is Tammy's cousin, mm-hmm. okay? And so when he gets on the stand... Um, Nancy loves they ask him, like, who are you? And he says, Donald D. Marino. And she's like, how do you know Tammy? And he's like, oh, we're family. And she's like, how are you related to her? <laughs> and he's like, oh, she's my cousin. Which I thought was kind of funny.
1: Uh-huh, yes. No, it's, it's very much a Southern answer. Yeah, oh,
0: we're family, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought there was, like, yeah, you can tell he's from South Carolina. <laughs> um, D. Marino gave testimony that... He had actually been shown a photo of Heather's body. <gasps> he said that during a smoke break while at a barbecue at Tammy and Sydney's house, he and Sydney had gone out back to smoke, obviously, and Sydney had shown him a photo of Heather on a flip phone. Um, because the murder charges had been dropped, the judge would not allow De to explicitly state what he had seen in the photo. However, he did allow allow Nancy Livesay to question De Marino about the content of the photo.
4: hmm
0: So Nancy asked him if it appeared that Heather could walk or talk in the photo, and he said no. And she said, based on what you've seen in the photo, do you expect anybody here to ever hear from Heather again? And he said no. Um Later on, in one of the later interviews that mm-hmm. I watched with Nancy, she said that he had, and I don't know if this was like testimony in the court, but he had said that in the photo, again, they didn't explicitly state what he saw, Yeah. but that Heather mm-hmm. had blood on her shirt and face. Under cross-examination, De Moreno fell apart and his credibility, like, came into question. He looked completely not credible. The defense attacked his character because Di Marino had been in and out of jail on drug charges.
4: hmm
0: And then the defense asked him if he'd ever lied to his mother while under the influence of drugs. And De Marino was like, no, I don't lie to my mama. <laughs> and then the defense played a recorded phone call between Di Marino and his mother while he was in jail. And again, how many times? If you are in jail, you don't have a right to privacy. No. If you make a phone call, it's being recorded. Mm-hmm. If you are in an interview room with someone, doesn't matter unless it's your attorney, you are being recorded. Yeah. The number of people who I like, the people who don't know that. Mhm. It's a good thing because it is. that's how idiots get caught. Yes. But, oh, my God, the number of people who think they can go in there and talk to their mama. <laughs> and it's not being recorded. hmm So, anyway, he said, no, I don't lie to my mama. And then they played a phone call of him between Dean Reno and his mama. And in the call, his mother had asked him, like, why didn't you tell me they showed you a picture of Heather? And he said he had been lying about it and that that photo didn't exist. And he's like, man, he's like, I'm about to about to lose my shit when you guys keep asking me this. Like, talking to his mom. So then the defense was like, why did you lie to your mom during that call? And Dean Marino said it was because he didn't want his mom to stress or worry about the trial. Which I completely understand that. Like, yes, I feel like he was probably doing that
1: mm-hmm. to
0: protect his mom.
1: Yeah, because now, like, you knew she was dead and said nothing.
0: So, um... When the defense pointed out that he did, in fact, lie to his mother, Dean Marino became visibly upset. And he basically said, like, the questioning was pissing him off. hmm So, while police did search phones, they never recovered this photo. Um, Christopher Helms had stated that they, like, while the state was able to recover some of the deleted information from Tammy and Sidney's phones there were text messages and photos that they were not able to recover.
1: Yeah. So It's still very early in t- in cell phone technology unfortunately. Well,
0: and again, like that photo could have very well existed. Mm-hmm. And also, I think Tammy and Sydney were proud of whatever happened to Heather.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure they were.
0: They wanted somebody to brag to. Mhm. Who better to brag to than someone that nobody's going to believe? Mm-hmm. Somebody that's in and out of jail. They're not going to be believed. Yeah. However, Christopher Helm said that they did not offer De Marino anything for his testimony. He mm-hmm. wasn't getting a lighter sentence for his drug charges. Uh, any money that he owed possibly was no- nothing. He earned nothing by testifying, and Christopher Helm said De Marino is a lot of things, but he was not lying when he took the stand, and I don't think he was lying. I think I don't he definitely think he was saw something, which is. Fucking sad, so mm-hmm. fucking sad. Like here, we, like we are talking about this trial, and Heather is. <laughs> it just breaks my heart every time I see her face. It destroys me.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: On day nine of Tammy's trial, Tammy took the stand, which everybody was shocked, but they shouldn't have been shocked. Yeah. Because yeah. Tammy was one thousand percent convinced. That she could convince everybody else that Mm -hmm. she was innocent. And again, the night before Tammy was to be uh, testifying, she sat down for a TV interview without her lawyer present, (laughs) even though the gag order was still in place.
1: So are they going to be punished for just um, breaking the gag order? Whatever you want to call it. I don't know how to word that correctly. Yeah,
0: I don't think there was anything imposed on them Mm -hmm. because of that. Um she told the reporter that she and Sydney were innocent of all charges. <laughs> like she had written down the schedule of like where they were at each point in the evening, mm-hmm. what they did. I sent this message to this person at this time. I got on Facebook at this time. We went to Walmart at this time. Um the interview pointed out like in his interview. It looks like Tammy. He's like Tammy. It looks like you're trying to hide the most basic of human emotions—anger. Mm-hmm. Because this whole time she's been like, "I'm not mad," blah blah, <laughs> and then she very quickly said, "She's like, I'm, I'm pissed off at Sydney for lying to to me." Mm-hmm. But then it can read her like, "We did not kill Heather. We did not. We are not guilty of what they say we did." Mm-hmm. So when Tammy took the stand. Her defense attorney, Greg McCollum, tried to paint Tammy as another victim in this trial.
4: Uh, of course he He actually said
0: she was a scapegoat. <laughs>
4: um,
0: Tammy testified that her life had completely fallen apart because of the allegation, uh, allegations against her. And at one point, she had been in jail because of this. And she wasn't able to um, wasn't able to be with her children or homeschool her children anymore. And she missed her father's funeral because she had been in jail uh, she did get to visit afterwards, but she was in handcuffs and shackles. hmm And she cried, which you know, fucking hate when they cry. Yep. It's disgusting. Save your fucking tears, because if you were really sorry, you wouldn't mm-hmm. be on trial, because it wouldn't have happened.
1: And you wouldn't have looked so smug in your... Yes!
0: Oh mug my shot. god. It was. It pissed me off so bad mm-hmm. when I saw her mugshot. So then, after the defense stopped questioning her, Tammy showed her two colors in cross-examination. hmm Because... When you are being questioned by your defense, uh huh. you practice that before you get put on mm-hmm. the stand. And they will tell you this is what the prosecution may ask, but you have not been fully coached because you don't know everything yeah. they're going to ask. They
1: might not go down that road. They might go down yeah. a completely different route.
0: And in this, she was domineering, and she tried to take control as Nancy was questioning her. <laughs> um... So, Nancy, at one point, she had brought up the text messages that Tammy had sent to Heather before her
4: disappearance,
0: Mm -hmm. um, as well as a post that Tammy had made after Heather disappeared. So, in one of the text messages, Tammy was questioning Heather about who she was, and Heather had responded, no one you need to worry about anymore. And another text message, um, Tammy had said to Heather, you know, ready to meet the missus? She had texted... Heather, someone is about to get their ass beat. And she texted, Your bitch is about to take his last breath, in reference to Sydney. <laughs> um, at one point, Tammy had sent a message stating, I think the bitch is in hiding. Wow. And Nancy, I would say, she's like, Tammy, what made you think that the bitch was in hiding? <laughs> and Tammy responded by saying, I guess I was just being a jerk, Nancy. Wow. Which. She just called the lead prosecutor by her first name,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and Nancy Lovesay asked Tammy if they'd ever met before that day, and Tammy was like, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> and Nancy Lovesay was like, well, I just didn't know when we got on a first name basis.
1: <laughs> Put her through the ringer I if she's going to act like that. I love
0: Nancy Lousey. She... She wanted so badly to get justice for Heather. hmm And she worked so damn hard. Like, oh, I love Nancy Lovesay. In a Facebook post that Tammy had written after, after Heather disappeared, okay, she had written that Sydney had cheated on her with a psycho whore. Yeah. She's calling Heather a psycho whore
2: mm-hmm.
0: after Heather's gone missing. Not only that, at the time... Tammy was 41 or 42. She was over half, like over double Heather's age. Yeah.
1: This, it's, oh my God. This is a grown
0: woman mm -hmm. calling someone who has just legally become an adult a sock of Mm war. Attacking someone who has just legally become an adult. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And Tammy had told her... It, like in Tammy's questioning, and I don't remember if it was the defense or the or Nancy Love say, I'm um, questioning her, but she was like, "When I was sending those text messages initially, I did not; they were not directed at Heather. They were directed <laughs> at whoever was sleeping with my husband. I did not know that the person on the other end of that phone was Heather Elvis. I just knew it was someone that was interfering mm-hmm. in my marriage." Mm-hmm. And I get that. Again, Tammy had every right to be pissed.
4: Yes. Every right
0: to be pissed. If she wanted to hate Heather, that's fine. Yeah. Hate Heather, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Hate her from a distance, you don't get to harass her, you don't get to attack her, leave her alone. Yeah,
1: again, he is the problem, not the Exactly.
0: Problem. Heather is not the problem. Mm-hmm. Heather was an innocent person brought into a shitty situation by someone that did not give a shit about Heather or you. Yeah. So, um, in that same Facebook post, though... Tammy goes on to say it's okay that Sydney cheated on her mm-hmm. because she had had a boyfriend for a while.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: A whole lot of crazy happening mm-hmm. here. So, on the stand, Tammy said that she and Sydney had agreed to have an open marriage. And that the reason that she had gotten mad at Sydney is because part of the agreement of their open marriage was to be honest when they were seeing somebody else. And he had not told her about Heather. And that's why she was mad.
1: I just, this is going to sound terrible, but the only thing in my head is like, sure, Jen. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> yeah.
0: I mean, it's all, she's just pulling shit out of her ass. Oh, yeah, like, that's absolutely. all she's doing. Um, and she, then, sorry, go ahead. I was just going
1: to say, she started covering her tracks before, I don't wanna say she needed to, but like, she, she had done something, she's trying to cover it up already.
0: But she's so confident in her mm-hmm. laws. Like, she yeah. thinks she can convince everybody. Um. Nancy Lousey then brought into evidence. I keep saying Nancy Lousey, but I just love her so much. (laughs) Um, She brought into evidence some of the explicit text messages. Tammy had sent an almost, like, just barely Mm 18-year-old. Just barely 18. And then when she's questioning Tammy about those text messages, Tammy responded with something snarky, like she could sit and wonder how many married men... Nancy Lousey had slept with, but she wasn't going to judge her for it or accuse her of murder.
1: That's not what's going on. The, you idiot. The,
0: uh, when I heard that, I was like, the audacity! Uh-huh. The audacity in this woman! Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, uh, she has the most punchable face I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, At one point during her questioning... Nancy questioned her about an actual phone conversation that Tammy had had with Heather Mm -hmm. and get this Heather I mean Tammy said the call was actually amicable and that she and Heather had had a good conversation
1: oh I'm sure
0: yeah yeah Tammy just said again that she was mad at Sydney for lying whatever Mm -hmm. Tammy while she's on the stand said that she too wants Heather to be found and that she believes Heather deserves justice. She said Heather was a nice girl and she deserves to be found. And during closing arguments, Nancy Livesay <laughs> pointed out that Tammy had already told the jury what happened to Heather and reminded them that Tammy had said Heather was a nice girl, oh. not Heather is a nice girl. Mm-hmm. When the jury went out to deliberate, they came back in about three hours and found Tammy guilty on both the conspiracy to kidnap and kidnapping charge, and she was sentenced to 30 years. And then Sydney had to be retried.
1: Oh, boy. The circus continues.
0: <clears throat> I, I feel so bad for mm-hmm. Heather's family. They've ha- oh, they're have having too. to sit through these trials. Yeah. When an interview with Terry, I watched, he said that when... Tam- when he heard Heather's name come out of T- Tammy's mouth, it was just disgusting. Mm-hmm. It was just disgusting to hear Tammy say his daughter's name.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
0: up until that point, he had never heard Tammy's voice. During Sydney's retrial, the prosecution mm-hmm. presented a lot of the same testimony and witnesses in the original trial. Um, De Marino got back on the stand, and again, he had said that He did not expect anyone to hear from Heather after what he had seen in that photo. Uh
3: Um,
0: Uh-huh. The prosecution did bring in a piece of new evidence. Okay. And it was footage from Tammy and Sydney's new surveillance camera. Now, remember, when they went back with the official search warrant, the original surveillance camera was gone. Uh So, anything (laughs) that would have been captured that took place at the house on the night of Heather's disappearance, that's gone. Mm-hmm. But they went ahead and got surveillance footage from the new camera. Just a few days after the police had gone out there and talked to them, before they got that official search warrant, Sydney and Tammy, as well as Tammy's sister, Ashley, and Ashley's boyfriend are caught on camera in the backyard. Now, initially, it looks like they're just bringing in groceries. Mm-hmm. But they kept watching it. And then they begin to furiously clean Sydney's brand new truck, focusing specifically on the back passenger side. And about 30 minutes into cleaning this truck, off to the side of the camera, you see Sydney start a burn pile. And everything they use to clean that truck is thrown into that burn pile.
3: Wow. Yeah. And mm, 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 one of
0: the um, prosecutors or solicitors or assistant solicitors pointed out, like, if you're using a rag to clean something with, you don't throw that rag away. You wash it. Yeah. They were burning
3: everything, Mm -hmm.
0: which would explain why there was no evidence of Heather ever being in that truck. Uh Uh-huh. And then Tammy and her sister Ashley are caught on camera searching through the yard and like under bird feeders and they have like this fountain in their yard Mm -hmm. with a mirror. And the prosecution theorized that Tammy was looking for possible wiretaps because she was convinced that they were listening to their conversations. Because, again, Mm -hmm. at this time, although police had not conducted their formal search warrant, they had been at their house, Mm -hmm. they were taking photos, they had been in the backyard, and Tammy was convinced they were listening to them. Uh Uh-huh. So, Ashley, Tammy's sister, took the stand for the defense as a character witness for Tammy. However, she probably played more in favor for the prosecution because she's dumb as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When Nancy Livesay questioned her about searching for bugs with Tammy, Ashley was just like, "I, I don't think that's what we were doing. Like, I I don't remember doing that.
1: Then what were you doing? It's on camera.
0: Nancy Livesay was like, well, would you like me to play the video to refresh your memory? (laughs) (laughs) And so, they play the surveillance footage. And Nancy Livesay is just, like, leaning back against the wall. Because she knows. She knows what is on that camera. Yeah. And Ashley's just, like, staring at it. And at one point, it is clear to see Tammy and Ashley, like, searching through trees and in the garden. And Tammy is very clearly holding a mirror, searching under this fountain, okay? hmm And uh, Nancy Lavse I was like, you know, do you see? It looks like you're searching for something. And Ashley's like, oh, it looks like she's just pulling weeds from the garden. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. And
0: then at one point, you You want to go down
1: that road? You want to yeah. be that
0: dumb? <clears throat> Nancy asked her, you know, can you see? She's got a mirror in her hands. And Ashley responded that she couldn't tell because the footage was too far away. And then when Nancy was like, can you say that it looks like a mirror? She just said it looked like Tammy was holding something dark. And I'm like, I can see the reflection in the mirror! (laughs) It is a mirror that she is holding.
1: She could have stood up, like checked her hair in the mirror and whatnot, and that that woman (laughs) would have been like, "Mm, I just don't see it. It was
0: infuriating, infuriating. Thinking about... At Heather's family sitting in that mm-hmm. courtroom listening to this.
1: Oh, my blood would be boiling if I was them.
0: I mean, I, I, I felt so bad. This is the third time they've had to go to court. Mm-hmm. And they still don't have their daughter. The prosecution then called Michael Melson to the stand. Um, and he was their expert witness. He provided software and images, like, tracking Tammy, Sydney, and Heather's cell phone locations um, in the weeks leading up to Heather's disappearance. Uh-huh. So, using the GPS tracking free from their cell phones, it appeared as though Tammy and Sydney had been stalking Heather to find out where she was in the times when she would be the most vulnerable. Because their cell phones kept pinging off of the same towers.
1: These psychos were stalking that young woman oh
0: yeah I, heather must have been terrified yeah terrified so in addition to this information sydney's brand new truck also had a removable gps Mm-hmm. so they could see where he was and christopher helms in one of the interviews and in the specials that i watched he pointed out that the only time the gps was ever removed from that truck was the night that heather disappeared
1: not surprised one bit by that and
0: then it was engaged again the next day Mm-hmm. the prosecution's theory about what happened to heather that night and this is so so upsetting and so scary um the prosecution's theory about what happened to that night is that Tammy and Sydney had heard the rumor that Heather was pregnant. hmm And Christopher Helms had pointed out, like, Tammy was probably like, you know what? Like, it's one thing for you to have an affair with my husband, but it is a completely different ballgame for you to be carrying my husband's child. That's not going to happen. Mm. So, Sydney goes to Walmart, buys the pregnancy test at 121. He then drives directly to the payphone where he calls Heather at 133 a.m., Heather had attempted to call Sydney multiple times between 3:17 and 3:21 a.m. before he picked up. When he picked up, they had a four-minute conversation, presumably for Heather to say, "We can meet." Heather then began another flurry of calls to Sydney's phone, starting at 3:37, and using that GPS tracking of Heather's phone. While Heather is making those calls, she's driving towards Peachtree Landing, mm-hmm. looking at surveillance from the neighbor's camera. Sydney's black F four hundred fifty is seen F one hundred fifty, sorry, mm-hmm. is seen driving towards the landing a little after three thirty. Heather's phone goes silent right around the time Sydney would have arrived at the landing, and then a little after three forty five. Sydney's truck is seen driving back on the stretch of road leading the landing, leaving the landing heading toward his house. When the jury went out to deliberate, like Heather's family and friends were just like waiting and like praying for yeah. conviction. Um. After only about two hours, the jury returned with a verdict of guilty on both charges: conspiracy to, to commit kidnapping and kidnapping. And Sydney was also sentenced to 30 years. Um, And as recently as May of this year, he's tried to get his convictions overturned, but they've been denied. Good. And Heather's body has never been found.
1: Oh, no. Her poor family.
0: Like, when I think about this, and I think the reason this has just, like, stuck with me so long, and her sister Morgan said it best, like, Heather wanted that fairy tale. And she mm-hmm. wanted to believe that there was someone that loved her so much because she loved him. And I can just imagine what Heather was thinking driving towards the landing. Mm-hmm. There was probably so many things going through her mind on her way there to meet him. Yeah. It, And I don't even want to speculate as to what happened when she got into mm-hmm. Sydney's truck because we don't know. No. But we can, I I think it's safe to assume that something mm-hmm. happened to her. And whether Sydney was solely responsible or Tammy was solely responsible or they did it together, both of them know exactly what happened to Heather and where she's at. And they're not
1: saying anything. Mm-hmm. They, they both know how it all played out. And it just it's makes so me sad- so angry. Yes, it's so saddening. I'm angry at them. It's... Yeah. I know, like, they got 30 years, uh, and that it's not nearly enough time. No. The only good thing about that is, is if they serve all 30 years, they will be at the latter end of their life.
0: Well, and that, if they find other evidence mm-hmm. about what happened to Heather, they can still be tried for murder.
1: Yes. And so they'll never give up that information, I don't think.
0: I don't either, Nancy Lovesay in one of her interviews had said, you know, <clears throat> 30 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. 30 years is a long time. They had, they have kids who are probably in their 20s now. I don't know. I did not, I did not try to research their kids because yeah. that's their kids. That's
1: mm-hmm. off Their kids talking. are not responsible for what their no, parents exactly. do. Um, exactly.
0: <clears throat> but she's like, I think once they realize like their appeals have been denied oh. and they don't have any more,
1: mm-hmm.
0: one of them will talk. One of them will talk. And I've like I've thought really hard about this. Sydney, I think if either party—and I don't think Sydney feels remorse—but
2: mm-hmm. if either
0: party were to have any sense of a conscience, it would probably be Sydney, yeah. and he would say something. I think Tammy will only speak if she finds out they have enough evidence to uh, convict her of murder, mm-hmm. and then she would turn to save her own ass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that.
0: I. In, I, I believe it was in the Devil's Triangle that 2020 special. And I keep referencing it because it was so informative. Mm-hmm. And it shows a lot of interviews with Heather's family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of photos of Heather. She was just... it. I was not lying when I said I thought about her at least every week uh-huh. since I heard about her case. It breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Um, her mom and sister... Both said, you know, they told what they would say to Sydney if they could talk to him. And her mom said that she would tell Sydney, like, you know, this has been a really, really long, really terrible nightmare for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. But you could make it better. You could end it if you would just tell the truth. And her sister, Morgan, said that she would tell Sydney, like, remember what it was like to love her. Like, and if you didn't love her, you at least cared deeply for her. Like, remember Mm -hmm. what that was like. Just, it breaks my heart. Breaks my heart for Heather. Like, everything she thought she was going to have. She was so young. She had so much to look forward to. Yeah, she had so
1: much life ahead of her.
0: And it was taken from her. And the thing that pisses me off is, like, for what? For what? Mm -hmm. Like, did Tammy and Sydney think that they were just going to... You know, And I'm using air quotes, get rid of the problem and then everything was going to be fine and they were going to get to live their life.
1: I'm sure they thought that. Because
0: that's not what happened. They're
1: stupid enough to think that. Heather's
0: family is suffering. They Mm -hmm. don't have Heather. No. They don't have Heather. Heather is gone.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And Tammy and Cindy, they're they're in jail. They don't get to be with their kids. They're not seeing their kids grow up every day. They're not living happily ever after. It was so... Senseless. Mm-hmm. So senseless. Yes. If you want to work on your marriage, fine, great. Go to counseling. Exactly. Heather should have been left out of the picture because Heather was moving on. Heather was trying to put that behind her. Mm-hmm. She was not reaching out to them.
1: No, they They were, were
0: consistently reaching out to her, harassing her.
1: She was right in that one text message when she said they were obsessed with her.
0: It was and I don't know why. Like how is that does that even make sense to you? Mm-mm. One as an adult. No. To go after someone who is half your age mm-hmm. when the true problem is handcuffed to your bed. Yeah. It's. I don't understand it.
1: It's and sad. It's infuriating. It's terrible.
0: Well, and I don't know. How, because one of their children is a daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they don't think about their daughter. Yeah. I don't know. Like, immediately when I had heard about this case, I put myself back in mm-hmm. Heather's shoes. What was I like at 19 and 20? Because at 19 and 20, I was doing the same fucking thing that Heather was doing. I was working at a restaurant. hmm I was... I thought I knew everything, and I didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: thought I could take care of myself, and I couldn't. Same. I put myself in positions that... And I'm not victim-blaming at all, because Heather should have been able to do whatever she wanted mm-hmm. without... Disappearing? Yeah. You don't have the forethought to think ahead. And there is no way, no way, no way Heather would have gone if she had known what was waiting for mm-hmm. her. And that is what's so scary. Yeah. She did not know what was waiting for her. And to think like when you're watching that truck drive away from Peachtree Landing back towards Sydney's house, like was Heather in that truck?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is ad- oh. Again, I will be thinking about her
3: mm-hmm.
0: until she is found. Yeah. Her family um, still holds vigils in Heather's memory. Mm-hmm. And they, on Heather's birthday, hang photos of missing persons in the area, as well as Heather's. And I watched an interview with her mom, and she's like, it just takes one phone call. You can stay anonymous. Just yeah. call and say what you know, and that's all you have to mm-hmm. do. hmm you don't have to get involved no in any No way. And, you know, they just... Even if they are able to bring, like, one person home, that means a lot to them. And I actually um, just watched an interview today when Brittany Drexel's remains were found. Mm-hmm. There was an interview with Debbie and Morgan. hmm And Morgan said, you know, like, when... It came out that Brittany had been found. It, it, it caused a reaction for her. She said she didn't expect it to cause her to react that way.
1: Mm-hmm. But she just
0: broke down. She just broke down. Because it had been 13 years since Brittany had gone missing when they found her remains. Yeah. And her mom, um, Debbie, said that, you know, I can mourn the fact that Heather, or I, no, she said I can grieve the fact that Heather's not with us. Mm-hmm. I can grieve the fact that we're having to experience life without Heather, but I can't get grieved Heather because I don't know what happened. Yeah, and the unknown is the hardest part. And I just, I just wish one of them would say something. Just say mm-hmm. something. Like, give them that peace. Give them that peace. There is no such thing as closure when you lose a loved one. No. Even when you know what happened, that's not... There's that's no closure. That's closure, yeah. But let them start to heal. Mm-hmm. Because right now, they don't know. And that speculation, not having Heather back... Why torture them even more?
1: Yeah. They're... Like, they need to realize that their life is pretty much over. So they need to do the right thing.
0: Well, not even that. Like... Just do the right... Like, put yourself in mm-hmm. Heather's parents' position. Yeah. And, I, again, I don't know how Tammy and Sydney did not think about this. Like, what... Again, what did you think was going to happen?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: What did... Why was Heather the, the big problem? Why was Heather the problem? Yeah. Like, and not only that... This was not the first affair that Sydney had had. He had had an affair before.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And all those people that he had an affair with are presumably still accounted for.
0: Yeah, they're everybody's fine. It's just like it why <sighs> Heather was so young mm-hmm. and she just wanted somebody to love her and Sydney took advantage of that.
1: He 100% did.
0: Because I'm telling you if someone if it was just a fling if it was just a fling and heather truly only sydney made heather believe that they were just sex she would not have gotten no. in her car and driven there that night Mm-mm. because if someone that you were sleeping with and it's only sex calls you and says i'm leaving my spouse for you i want to be with you you are not going to get in your car and drive and meet them no he took and not in ad- a place
1: like that either. No,
0: he took advantage of her. He mm-hmm. took advantage of her. He preyed on the fact that she was a kind, caring, compassionate person that loved him. And he can't even give her back to her family.
1: No. Ugh. Listen, it's... The whole thing is awful and it's infuriating. I, I feel for her family so much.
0: Watching interviews with her, her mom and her sister and her dad, it is just
2: heartbreaking. Mm-hmm
0: heartbreaking because y- you feel their pain it is so so sad so sad and so tragic and just something that it it did not have to be like that Mm-mm. it did not have to be like that like i keep checking the news especially since i've you know writing writing this up and i'm just like i keep waiting for the day that i like see breaking news like yeah. when i saw that britney had been found like just tell the truth. And, and give your kids that freedom. Mm-hmm. Stop letting your kids live the law by telling them that you didn't do anything. Yeah. Give that freedom to your kids. I feel for every all the families. Morgan had said that when Tammy's verdict was read, she looked over. And, you know, because it, the courtroom is split, like yeah. Heather's family and then mm-hmm. for the defense. And she said she just saw another family breaking. And she said, I know what it's like to be part of a broken family, and I would not wish that on anybody. Just tell what happened. Yeah. They know where she's at. Just let her go home. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: That's, wow. That case. Like like you said, I too will be keeping an eye out for the day that I want to put out in the universe that it will happen, that she will be found.
0: Her dad when they when Debbie and Morgan were talking about what they would say to Sydney her dad said he just keeps staring at the door like praying for Heather to come in
2: hmm.
3: it's,
0: it's hmm. I it when you see photos of Heather she just looked she looked very um bohemian uh huh like she had like long dark hair just and her she too had a baby face she looked young yeah um it was breaks my heart breaks my heart every time every time i look at her it's just so sad
1: it is
0: she just she didn't know she didn't know what was waiting for her i'm gonna cry
1: i know i know (laughs) well we we will wrap up to thank you for listening everyone we'll be back again next week with another episode
0: yes um
1: If you want to reach out to us, we are on Instagram at... Uh,
0: Monsters and Murder Pod and at Gmail at Monsters and Murder Pod at Gmail.
1: Yes. Don't be afraid to reach out. Let us know what you think. If you're on Apple and Spotify, ratings actually really do help us and are just kind of cool to see if you want to leave us a review. Yes.
0: Uh, (laughs) And if you have any suggestions, let us know.
1: Absolutely. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. (music)